Jimmy's kind of like slowly taking the bar up and there's nobody that's like catching up to him. And if you want to catch up to him, like you have to spend a considerable amount of money. And so like as a TikTok influencer or an Instagram influencer, I, I personally like I'd look at that and be like, what, what's the first move? Like, how do I get to that point? What's up guys, this is Creator Economics, episode two. If you don't remember who we are, my name is Reed, that's Blake. A little bit of background on myself, I manage a lot of digital creators in the space, most notably Mr. Beast, Preston, Typical Gamer. If I leave too many names out, then people get mad, so I have to like list you know, multiple creators. <laughs> you, just, you just start listing all of them. <laughs> and, uh, and Blake, introduce yourself. Yeah, I, I'm a venture capitalist at a uh, venture firm in, in Michigan called Lotto Ventures, and we invest in early stage startups all across the country. And uh, yeah, I mean, really focus on early stage companies and spend a lot of time in the creator space, mainly out of personal interest more than anything else. And you actually, you tweeted out last week that 2020, you spent a lot of time on music and, and uh, digital creator managers. Why is that? Yeah, I, I just think there's like, actually way more parallels to venture capital than, than people realize. Like I think so much of my day-to-day -day job is actually just like finding talent and like really extraordinary like individuals that are working on amazing things. And like, if you think of it just from that high level, like that's actually very mm -hmm. similar to what you're doing. You're, you're identifying talent and, and investing in them and you're investing your time and, and resources and uh, we're investing our time and resources as well. So I, I, I just think it's very easy within venture and tech to like stay within that bubble. And so one to get to know people outside of it. And I mean, you're one of those people that I met over the past year. Of all the uh, the talent managers in music and digital content creators, like who were the, like the most interesting, or who do you stay in contact with today? Ooh, I I mean you, uh, Chris Saru at Visionary mm -hmm. Logic and John Bellion, and then uh, Zach Honorvar at uh, I mean One Day Entertainment as well. So I mean like you three are, are the main three that that I, I talk to the most these days uh, from that world. Before you started digging into this space, did you know anything about it? Were you coming in like completely just unaware of what was going on? I, I knew like, I mean, obviously from like a high level, more of like the agencies, like, you know, like I, would, I knew like UTA and WME mm -hmm. and these people like, but I didn't like, and I knew creators as like more of a viewer, but I didn't actually fully understand the business behind like the business, if, if that makes sense. And so, um, I mean, it was great to just like pick all of your brains and learn more about uh, your day to day and how you view uh, the world of, of content creators. Yeah, my, my parents still don't understand what I do and I, I try and explain it to them every time I see them, but uh, they still uh, don't realize that people actually make money on the internet making content. It, it's actually a world and I came from the NFL sports agency world. Easy to understand, NFL football players get paid a lot of money, people negotiate those contracts, those people that negotiate those contracts usually get paid a percentage, right? And that's what I did. Uh, before I found this this YouTube thing six years ago, when I when I stumbled upon Dude Perfect, and uh, it's it's been a lot of fun, and it's it's crazy over the last few years. The there's just been a lot of people that have gotten curious about the space and how it's maturing. I think obviously David Dobrik and Mr. Beast and some of these bigger creators and Logan Paul and these guys that are kind of stepping into the mainstream more. Uh, they put a different light on the creator community, and it, it's been it's been a lot of fun, like meeting these people that have known really nothing about YouTube or this creator ecosystem. Now, like just trying to dig and learn more. And so the amount of interesting people that I stay in contact with today that, you know, three years ago, didn't really know anything about YouTube or Twitch or anything around that, that ecosystem is amazing. And, and you're one of those people, you know, that I, that I was blessed to meet. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's one of those areas where it's just, been incredibly misunderstood for like the longest period of time you know like mm -hmm. uh you think of like the first wave of youtubers like i mean a lot of them are still going and and a lot of people like just completely overlook them as as celebrities and uh i think like mr beast and, and david dobrik and and some of these individuals have like really transcended uh just the fact that they're uh content creators like they are mainstream celebrities and i like i always say like people would like 
probably view ninja uh or like some pro gamer as like the same level as uh like a professional athlete like if they were to meet them they'd probably be more excited to uh to meet ninja or courage or some of these people than than uh a professional athlete just because they actually get to know these individuals or uh they feel like they've built a, a closer connection and and the traditional celebrity has just you know had such a like high wall around who they actually are as individuals up until now yeah, it, Ninja being in the Super Bowl commercial last year, I think kind of broke the ceiling of like, hey, this guy can actually cross over or gamers can actually cross over into traditional sports and be as popular, if not more popular than traditional athletes. That was actually the bet that I was willing to make five years ago when I left you know, a job as a sports agent into this world is I thought that all the attention would eventually come to this creator space because the amount of content that one person like Preston or Jimmy or typical gamer can produce on a weekly basis, like an athlete really can't compete with that. And now we're seeing some of the athletes try and vlog, but it's still like they have a full-time job as a basketball player or a football player. It's hard to dedicate time to vlogging or streaming on Twitch. And so it's, it's hard for them to compete for attention uh, with someone like Ninja who streams eight hours a day. And so that was the bet that I made you know, four or five years ago. And it, it's nice to finally see it kind of come to fruition uh, and yeah. see the mainstream media actually pay attention to it and see guys going on Kimmel and Fallon and, and Ellen. And yeah, it's it's been a crazy few years. Yeah, I mean, I think you had incredible foresight and like you you understood it better than anyone at that time. And, and I think a lot of people, like it's funny, if you ask any kids four or five years ago, like they would have told you probably the same answer now that these people were mm -hmm. huge stars. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, like I, I think the funniest thing for me is like when I ended up in, in venture capital, uh, I just remember people were talking about like esports and competitive gaming as like, this is going to be something huge. And like, I just grew up watching like Halo and those things. And I was just like, what do you mean? Like, this is already huge. Like I, I remember watching Walshy and these big names and being mm -hmm. like, those are like my idols at the time. Like I, I've, viewed them in the same way that, that kids today view ninja and uh and like tifu and like i just thought those people were were real stars and and they were like to me and and so i think it's one of those times where uh like if you just paid attention to what like the younger generation was actually doing like uh it was incredibly clear in hindsight and i think now it's uh, very clear to everyone that this is where it's going. And like, you look at even even NBA players and, and traditional celebrities that you would never think uh, would pay attention to this world. Like they're also fans of uh, of these creators and, and engaging with these creators. And I mean, you have like Addison Rae hanging out with the Kardashians. And I mean, you have like Drake playing with Ninja. There's been so many crossovers between these worlds that it's only becoming more blurry. And like, it's clear that, that there is real cro uh, crossover at this point. Yeah, I actually used my cousins uh, about five years ago to vet uh, Dude Perfect. And the first thing I did after I spoke to the guys was I called them up and I was like, hey, and they're probably like eight, nine years old. I was like, do you guys know, have you ever heard of Dude Perfect? Uh, and I could just tell how excited they got uh, that someone was talking about Dude Perfect and that what they were doing with trick shots. Uh, and that's just kind of when I was like, I'm willing to like take a leap of faith here that you know, these kids that are eight years old are not gonna leave YouTube. They're gonna stay on YouTube. They're just gonna find different people to watch as they get older, right? They might transition from trick shot videos to gaming or trick shot videos to beauty videos, like what, whatever that is, right? I, I was willing to make that bet that someone that grew up on YouTube was more than likely gonna stay within that ecosystem. And now it's, it's holding true. Like we've, you know, you and I talked about this a little bit ago. One of my clients, Preston, uh, his main channel is called Preston, but he has a gaming channel called TBNR for Eggs. Uh, and if someone's over 16 and we're in public and they approach Preston, it's always, oh my gosh, it's TBNR for Eggs. It's never, oh my gosh, it's Preston Place. But if it's someone under 16 or even under 12, it's always Preston Place. And so they grew up watching him play Call of Duty Counter-Strike. And then he created this Minecraft channel, caught a, a younger audience, but that younger audience, when they leave his Minecraft channel or leave his Roblox channel, are finding his Fortnite, Counter-Strike, Call of Duty channel. And so it's, it's one thing that you wanted to talk about, and it's the theme of today's podcast is, is really like platform diversification and diversification across multiple channels on YouTube. And a lot of our clients do it. There, there is a reason of why they do it. They're just not crazy trying to like get as busy as possible and start multiple channels. But there is a method to diversifying your content and why you would do so. And to me, like a lot of the smart creators are the ones that are able to hold a fan in their like flywheel for a decade. 
And that's one thing that Preston's done really well is he makes content, you know, for eight, nine, 10, 11 year olds, and he makes content for 16, 17, 18 year olds. Uh, and they're all incredibly obsessed with him. And once they're done, like I said, with Minecraft, they transition right into his either IRL, his real life content or his Fortnite content. And uh, it's, it's been interesting to watch. And we're now, uh, and we can talk about this in a little bit, but we're now seeing it with Mr. Beast and some of the stuff he's making. Yeah, I think it's so interesting. I'm so glad you brought it up just because there is, I think there is this debate of uh, if you're a creator, uh, should you be going all in on, on your one channel uh, and, and like just trying to grow that, that channel to 100 million subscribers? Or like, should you be diversifying on YouTube itself, you know, uh, or, or maybe Instagram or whatever it is and, and creating multiple accounts uh, and, and diversifying within the context of, I think the way that you set it up for Preston is really interesting where uh, like Preston has these different age uh, demographics depending on the channel, right? Like it's like, you're coming here to watch Minecraft, therefore you're probably a younger audience. You're coming here for the real life. Maybe that's everyone who's just a fan of Preston. And then like if he's playing Call of Duty, it's another demographic. So I think I think that's really interesting within that context but like i'm curious how you think about just uh like as a creator if you if you were a creator right now and you have two million subscribers like should they be thinking about uh making other channels or should they be focusing like solely on the growth of that one channel yeah it's a good question i get this a lot so i think if you're a creator that's at the infancy of your your career and let's just say two million is early stage because i think right now a million subscribers is not what it was five years ago you know, in, in, and it's crazy to think about this, but in five years, 10 million subscribers is not going to sound that crazy because in five years, we're probably going to have, I would say over 15 personality channels, over a hundred million subscribers, wow. crazy, but it's going to happen. And one of those will be Jimmy. We've already seen Felix. I'm guessing dude. Perfect. Uh, and so if you're at 2 million, I would say no. Now there's probably, you know, a lot of people out there that would say, well, what if I'm making Minecraft? Should I also have a Fortnite channel? Should I have a Machinima channel? I think at that stage, and uh, let's just backpedal a little bit. I met Preston when he had three-ish million subscribers on a Minecraft channel. It's called Preston Plays. Uh, he had the TBNR channel, but he actually stopped posting on it. The reason he stopped posting on it is because Minecraft was performing so well at that time, he went all in. He's like, I'm going to go all in on Minecraft. I'm going to film it all day. I'm going to make the best videos possible. And for me, that was the right strategy. And I agreed with it because he was able to go from 3 million to 7 million subscribers on that channel. And then when he finally figured out that, okay, maybe I can scale the amount of videos I'm filming back to one to two, maybe three videos a week, I can get back to TV and our channel. And that's exactly what he did. Right. He figured out how to get his main channel to 60 million views a month. And then he was like, you know what? There's this game coming out called Fortnite. I think I should play it, but I don't think it should be on my Minecraft channel. I think I should put it on my TBNR Frag channel because it's known for like my FPS and um, and well, I guess third person shooter games. And so that that was the strategy that he took uh, to take it a step further. We ended up actually changing the Minecraft channel to a real life channel because YouTube ebb and flows, things become popular, things don't become popular. And what became really popular in late 2018 was, was IRL content. Like we saw Jake and Logan do the vlogs, but the stuff that became popular was more of this like curated, semi-scripted content about, you know, last to leave and like, filling my pool with slime and things like Mr. that. Mr. Beast content. Yeah, it, Jimmy it, it, really started this. Uh, yeah. At least the crazy, over-the-top, like, last-to-leave uh, yeah. different genres of content. And that's when I convinced Preston to change his Minecraft channel to a real-life channel and then take his Minecraft audience and form a new channel, which we now call Preston Plays. And so his main channel that used to be a Minecraft channel is now called Preston, and it's almost at 15 million subscribers. Um, but when I say it ebb and flows, it's like he kind of hit that point where he was like, I'm at seven, eight million. I'm not really growing. I think we need to have a content pivot. And the pivot worked out very well. And it allowed him to now be at 15 million subs on that channel. And so I would say that's a that's a really good example um, of something working well. But I also have examples with Unspeakable Gaming and Typical Gamer and Mr. Beast. Um, and so, if like you said, back to your question, if you're a creator that has two million subs, focus on doing that incredibly well and figuring out how to grow. And then maybe, maybe at some point you can think about channel diversification. 
Yeah, I I think it's the the real the angle that I've seen it from is is with Nateshot and and uh, I remember when I met Nateshot. I, I don't know what his main channel is at right now, but it's probably two or three million. I think he might have just passed three million subscribers on his main channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was he also sort of transitioned, you know, from being the professional gamer. All of his content was gaming, and then like it switched into his like real life and and vlogging stuff. And uh, like maybe three or four years ago, he, he realized like. I don't want to put like my uh, my stream highlights on on this like my Nadechat channel, and so he actually just created a side channel as well uh, called Nadechat Plays, and and that's where all of his gaming content lives now. Like uh, the the question I always have is just like uh, if you do that and you don't like really communicate it consistently, there's probably like some. Uh, section of his audience or percentage of his audience that's just like does he even like play games anymore like mm-hmm. um and, and maybe this is more of like the the broader uh topic of like just diversification in general of like if you just stop posting on youtube and like you have 10 million subscribers or you get 5 million subscribers whatever it might be even if it's like fifty thousand subscribers and you like go to twitch or you, you switch to another platform like uh there is some level of like people just might forget that you exist like uh there might be people who when when ninja switched to mixer they might have just like not even seen the news like i imagine there's probably like some eight and nine year olds who are like where did ninja go like he Mm -hmm. doesn't stream anymore (laughs) and then uh and they just like find him on youtube and there's like oh he's just a youtuber now or something like that and so that that angle uh or like the overall topic of uh there's there's people that discover preston might only think of him as as a minecraft youtuber or or a real life youtuber and i think preston i mean it is really unique because he has an incredible work ethic and is putting out an insane amount of videos but i think that's really rare like i think there's very few creators that are willing to uh, create as many videos or as much content as, as Preston. Like he, he's a machine. It's also, it's really daunting. Uh, it's, it's, it's the reason why I've, I haven't seen a lot of TikTokers have good transition into YouTube because if you look at the biggest YouTube channels right now, they have full production teams. You know, yeah. Preston has a big production team. Jimmy has a big production team. Unspeakable has a big production team. As a, as a TikTok creator who films on your phone, making a 10 second video, now it's like, okay, I want to compete at the highest level on YouTube. It's a completely different ballgame. And I think that's that's one thing that scares a lot of people about content diversification. If they're not starting on YouTube, if they're starting on Instagram, TikTok, it's so low lift um, that to then go to YouTube, it's it's really difficult transition. And I, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of guys struggle with it right now. Um, I'm actually trying to think of an example of someone who is making incredibly good content, but started on TikTok, and I'm having a hard time coming up with anyone. Uh, and that's yeah, I mean, Al- good, Alex right? Warren was the one I was thinking of, but Alex Warren actually started on on YouTube and yeah, and, yeah. and like blew up on on TikTok. But uh, yeah, I, I think like maybe maybe a, like just a question in general, and and I'm sure you get this a lot as well. Is like, uh, and and we've obviously seen like. Um, the Demelios do this, but like they for sure have a production team or they have mm-hmm. a videographer or someone following them around for their YouTube videos and helping on that side. But like, if you're a creator and, and you're want to get serious about YouTube and maybe you are on TikTok right now, or maybe you're just an Instagram like creator who has a million followers or something. But if you want to get serious about YouTube, like at what stage should they consider having an editor or like a full-time editor or a part-time editor or a full-time videographer? Like at what point is that like, like for them to jump at? Yeah, it all comes down to how comfortable they are outsourcing to an editor. I, I know a lot of creators that still to this day like to edit their own videos because they have a certain style. And even though I think that most people can hire an editor and teach them their style over time, it is a little bit difficult to trust someone when you've edited your videos for three to seven years right and so i I do see a lot of creators struggle with giving up the reins to their content and it's it but there's also a wall of you can only create so much content without an editor and without a team and so if you're really taking youtube seriously and you want to grow and if you actually want to compete where all these people are living in the hundreds of millions of views a month there's just no way that you can have a team. There's no way that you can have an editor in, in this day and age. Um, I think the world where you sit in front of a computer and you vlog or you carry a camera around and vlog and then you edit that video yourself, that just doesn't perform well anymore because it, it's hard to compete with Jimmy uh, who is kind of soaking up millions and millions and millions of views a day um, to go from like a Mr. Beast video where he's giving away 50 cars to 
to a 10 minute vlog of someone who maybe only puts out one vlog a week. Like it's, it's a hard transition because people's expectations are getting so high on YouTube, but it's also like, where, where's the bar? Like Jimmy's kind of like slowly taking the bar up and there's nobody that's like catching up to him. And if yeah, you want to catch up to him, like you have to spend a considerable amount of money. And so like as a TikTok influencer or an Instagram influencer, I, I personally, like I'd look at that and be like, what, what's the first move? Like, how do I get to that point? Yeah, it, it's interesting because like there is some level of, I don't know, like David Dobrik or Emma Chamberlain or like these, those two like really did create their own editing or like video style. And so like maybe the, the real nuance is that like you either need to figure out what is uniquely you and like how you're going to win. Maybe you're not going to be able to put out as many videos uh, as someone else, like a, like Preston, mm -hmm. but like figure out what is the content and style that, that is going to make you stand out because Emma and David very clearly created their own styles. And, and like that really, I mean, they were only putting out, I mean, David was cranking out three videos a week at, at one point. And um, I, I mean, from my understanding, he was editing almost all of those and, and definitely in charge of like all filming yeah. it. Like that is, uh, I mean, I think we've learned is, is unsustainable. Like it, it, it's why he's probably taking this major break, but um, we're seeing, I imagine Emma still edits her videos to this day, even though she has probably nine or 10 million subscribers, which is crazy, but it is sort of like the secret sauce for her videos. Yeah, there's always outliers. But you have to, and we've thought about this a lot internally, is like, how do you protect against creator burnout? Because eventually, if you're doing everything yourself, and actually creator burnout really happens when you're, you're creatively, you just can't keep going. You can't think of more ideas. You can't be good every single day. And so when you build out a team, like most of our creators have, and they help you with creative they do most of the logistics, they help with operations, you show up, you get to be you, you get to be in the video, then the video gets passed off to a post-production team. That's how we've kind of eliminated uh, seeing a lot of creator burnout because they're not focused on 10 different jobs. They're focused on just being uniquely them, uh, yep. being in videos, and then usually helping out with creative in some aspect, but not being solely in charge of creative because that's when you just have this like mind fog or this brain fog that comes about and you just can't get over that hump and that's what a lot of youtubers are experiencing that just don't have teams to back them up yeah i, I also think like that's probably a major opportunity for the right sponsors to enter into this space as well like the brands that understand or can come with creative ideas and like help do some of the heavy lifting <laughs> like uh like i think every creator is looking for new ideas and new ways to like have a viral video and so it's like if you are a brand that that's looking to enter into the space like uh either working with a creator to figure out what is a good idea or like coming up with just something crazy and you think is a unique idea and uh having those people involved is like a really easy way to get great creators involved uh and like and get them excited to to be working with your brand yeah it's i will say it's it's incredibly difficult to find people uh, that understand YouTube to work for a creator because it, even though it's, it's been around for over a decade, it's still very new in terms of like, how is a YouTube creator's business structured and what are the team pieces that they need to be successful? You know, Jimmy is a good example of like someone who's been on YouTube since he was 12 years old. Like he grew up with it. It's all like he ever watched and he understands the platform as much as anyone I've ever met, but finding people like him uh, that can help and, and do creative and like understand his vision is still very difficult. I think the t talent pool will slowly increase over the next like five years because a lot more people are growing up just watching YouTube. Uh, and we'll see a lot more creators have a lot more success finding like actual like employees to help them. Um, but it's, I will say it's very difficult right now to find people that are experienced. It, it's been it's been a struggle for every every single one of our creators, but it's also a good like you talked about brands, people like Indeed, like some of these job posting websites to jump in and really help out the creator community. And I've seen some Indeed ads, but I haven't really seen someone fully lean in. Uh, and it's a giant missed opportunity. All these creators are hiring twenty four seven. All of them are hiring. Yeah, I think there is there is absolutely some level of shortage of, of editors and videographers right now, especially, uh, 
ones that understands the content like of the creator that they're targeting like if you're a good editor right now like my biggest advice to someone who's in high school or like in college that, that wants to work in this space is to figure out how to edit and and like really understand um the style of the person or team that you want to work with and and like try and make those edits like for fun you know like take take a mr beast video and just edit it on your own and, and add a twist to it and like i think that hustle of sending it to those people and being like hey here's my version of how i would have edited that mr beast video like i think that is for sure the best route to to break into this industry and there is so much demand from the creator side to find great talent on the editing and videography side like i mean we see it with with 100 d's for example where like i I don't know exactly how big the production team is now but it's pretty big and uh, i mean they're always looking for great editors and videographers and i imagine that that mr beast and all of your clients are uh looking for for great talent too because there is a shortage of of people that want to put in the work right now yeah without question they're all hiring editors the hardest position I think to find right now in this whole creator ecosystem is a creative director. Uh, a lot of the creative ideas still come from most of our creators. Some of them have been able to train people and it's taken years to, to get them up to speed. But the one position that most of them need the most is someone to come in and just help with creative and help with these semi-scripted IRL videos and just help them break out like what are the different aspects to these videos can they actually help with title and thumbnail we haven't seen someone be able to do that yet it usually comes from most of the creators and so i think when we can start finding more of those positions a lot of the guys and a lot of this creator fatigue on youtube will start to die down a little bit but it's about like creating that support system right and it's 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 important for us and it's something that we focused on with all of our creators yeah i think it's there's also like the the important thing there like i think the reason why this is happening is there is still that stigma of like uh, i don't know maybe you went to film school and you're like i don't want to like work with creators like or uh like i want to be a director on a movie or a tv show or something like that and uh i think that will change over time like that's one thing that i am definitely confident in is that uh the people who are growing up with youtube and growing up on twitch and, and youtube and tiktok and all these platforms are going to like really want to work with these people. Like I, I think it's right now people will always say like the dream job is, is to become a creator yourself. And like, if you can't become a big creator, uh, then like maybe you can go and join the team of them. And I, I have to imagine if you work for Mr. Beast, like you're having a great time right now. And, and um, there's probably some really fun perks and, and just that lifestyle has to be crazy. It happened in sports, right? 20 years ago. It's like, if you couldn't play in the NBA or the NFL, you could at least try and work in college sports, in professional sports. I think there was like a surge in sports administration degrees about seven, eight years ago. The same thing is gonna happen in the creator space, whether colleges catch up and and add curriculum around that, I doubt it. Uh, But you're right, there's gonna be a a surge of talent or people that wanna be YouTubers that just probably don't make it or don't have the entertainment skills and they're gonna default to working in the industry and they're gonna have successful careers. It's just they, they have to figure out like what where they where they can provide value. If if yeah. you can provide value in this space as an editor, even as a thumbnail artist, all yeah. of our clients are looking for thumbnail artists. Like that that's something that still just does not exist. There is not enough talented thumbnail artists on the internet yet that we can find. Uh, massive opportunity for someone who's really good at Photoshop to jump in. Yeah, I I think it's there's there's like a saying from uh, a venture capitalist named chris dixon he's uh, like his whole thing is around uh you can find a lot of innovation by just like following what what nerds are doing on the weekend and like i i I think that uh if you just pay attention to what like kids are doing on the weekend right now it is trying to stream it is trying to become a creator themselves and uh it's not hard to imagine that all of those people will want to work within this space as well and uh the the amazing thing and like the reason why i'm very bullish on this category is that like you look at I mean, you imagine kids and we're seeing it right now, but like kids who grew up on YouTube or watching YouTube are now like ending up in influencer positions at brands, you know, and they're helping to lead uh, like the charge internally of like you should be allocating money to Mr. Beast or to Preston or these people who are uh, like driving tons of impressions and have real real relationships with their fans. And so uh, like that is the other side of this. Like if you just think looking forward, 
uh, everyone who's growing up within this ecosystem is going to become incredibly like immersed and excited about it that like it's inevitable that that everyone will be bought in and that these people will be like this will be in a huge huge industry and it already is but like i think it'll be a, a thousand times bigger agreed so let's, let's go back to platform diversification so I, I talked a little bit about Preston, why he has multiple channels. You know, I think one of my biggest pet peeves right now, and this is uh, addressed to all the Twitch streamers out there, is there is an incredible opportunity for them to be successful on both platforms. If you're a successful Twitch streamer, you've already proven that people care about your content, they're willing to show up, they like to watch you. And for me, it seems like they're all incredibly lazy with just putting out stream highlights on their main YouTube channel, their main YouTube channel of all things, and they're not curating specific content, YouTube is a completely different game. This isn't a, hey, let me stream on Twitch for six hours and then throw up a little highlight. Some of that stuff may do well in the short term, and I've seen it do incredibly well in the short term, but it always levels off. Like we talked about YouTube, or we talked about YouTube earlier, it ebb and flows based on trends and what's popular at the moment, and for me, like, is is if you're a Twitch streamer, if you're thinking about, okay, I, I know what I want to do on Twitch, like, you need to have a YouTube strategy. You, yeah. I can't stress this enough. You need to make videos. I would say stream two hours less a day on Twitch and use those two hours to make a really good video for YouTube. And you're probably going to then take a step back in six months and you're going to have two very successful platforms. But I've, I've yet to see a Twitch streamer be incredibly successful on YouTube and... You know, for me, like looking into that, it's like, why? Like, why are they not concentrating on YouTube? They think like this streaming on Twitch is the end all be all, but it's really not. Like streaming on Twitch is just the beginning to a much bigger business. And for some reason, I, I don't know if it's just like within the Twitch community, they think it's all about the grind on Twitch, but there's a much bigger opportunity for them. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I, if people asked me if I wanted to be a streamer or if I wanted to be a YouTuber, like, I, I would say YouTuber a hundred times out of a hundred because, like, streaming is, is, I mean, they're doing that eight hours, 10 hours a day, like, uh, it would just grinding. And, uh, like, if you are a streamer, like, your end goal should be to hopefully work less. I mean, obviously, you, you, you should enjoy what you're doing and it shouldn't feel too much like work, but you should be diversifying and, uh, double dipping at, at the very least. Like if you're, and, and there are some streamers that, that do the highlights and, you know, cut it down of like, here's what you missed. And, um, maybe they'll like, I think where it gets interesting and I've seen a couple streamers experiment with it where it's like, they'll start doing challenges on their stream that like basically just end up becoming videos on, on their, uh, YouTube channel. Like, you know, like winning a Warzone match, like knifing only. And like, it actually just looks like eight hours of them trying to do it. And what I think really started that was when you saw the videos of like high kill games in Fortnite going really viral. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I, I got like 50 kills and now I have the world record. Like that is the simplest version. But if you're a streamer, like why not create these challenges and like come up with the video ideas that you're just trying to make happen for the eight to 10 hours that you're streaming every day. And like, if you can then make those into videos, then like, that's the dream. Cause I, I, I agree. Like mm -hmm. just lazily took, taking the highlights from your, your Twitch stream, uh, and like throwing it on, on YouTube is not getting, like sustainable in any way. Like, uh, you need to figure out a, a better way to, to message to, they are just very different platforms. Yeah. And, and you can do that. You can take your stream highlights and throw it on a channel, but at least make your main channel curated content for the platform. Right. Yeah. Yes. If you can stream the, you know, really good content and make that into a 15 minute video, like Kudros, like you're doing great. But uh, most Twitch streamers can't like, it's a pretty like chill, relaxed environment of them playing a video game for eight hours. Uh, I just think, you know, when I look at missed opportunities, that's the first place I look is like, there, there's all these amazing Twitch streamers that just really don't get video on demand. They really don't get it. But if they had a little bit of knowledge, with what's performing well on YouTube in the gaming space, uh, some of these guys could be killing it. And a good example, and he doesn't stream on Twitch, but he streams on YouTube, uh, is Typical Gamer. Uh, and he used to stream you know, six to 10 hours a day, uh, scaled it back to one stream for about three, maybe four hours a day. And he took the rest of his day uh, and he put it into a second channel where he makes just curated video on demand gaming content. And that channel's pulling 100 million views a month. It scale, outscaled wow. his main channel um, because he understood that, okay, I can have my streaming audience and then my streams will go to VODs on that channel and that's great, 
But now I can have this second channel that I dedicate, you know, four, three to four hours a day to that I'm making curated content. And this channel is actually now bigger than my main channel. And a lot of these Twitch streamers could be doing the same thing. I just, and maybe it's like lack of knowledge of the opportunity that exists. Um, maybe it's laziness. I, I don't know. Uh, but it's, it's such, it's, it's one of my biggest pet peeves in the space right now. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's, it goes back to just like a broader topic that we've talked about where it's like, maybe it's, they just don't understand like what content does well on each platform. Like maybe just because you are a good streamer doesn't mean you're a good YouTuber in the same way that like, just because you're good on TikTok doesn't mean that you're, you're great on YouTube as well. And like, uh, they do require somewhat different muscles. Like, yes, you are still like entertaining and there are people that like you, but the actual content and like understanding of, of what works well on each platform, I think is a nuance that very few creators like explore and understand. And I think like David Dobrik and, and Jamie or Mr. Beast, like are, are the few that really do understand it. Like they, they've like internalized it and studied these platforms and Logan Paul, like probably better than anyone has studied these platforms and been like, Oh, this is what's working. Like these are uh, like, this is what I should be doing. And this is how I should be taking advantage of these opportunities. And I think that there's, there's a lot of creators right now that like, really understand the one platform that they're on and like they're just maybe throwing up random pictures on instagram and like they're growing on there steadily but like figuring out like how to actually like thrive on all of these platforms is really hard and i think it's like you're an enigma if you like uh end up doing that yeah it's a lot of work but it's also it's you know this is a creator's full-time job is creating content understanding social platforms and you said David and Jimmy and like, yeah, those guys are dominating each platform, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, especially, which is probably the most difficult one uh, to get a large following on, especially today. Uh, and then they both are doing incredibly well on YouTube. Uh, yeah, they're probably the outliers in this situation. But if you're a full time content creator, like you need to take the time to learn what is actually performing well on each platform and then how can I specifically curate that content because event like there is times where other pl- like platforms are more popular than others right TikTok is having its time right now uh, and Dobrik is investing a lot of time into TikTok and it's very smart right that social platform is on fire uh, if you're ignoring it as a YouTuber right now probably not the smartest decision uh, and Jimmy definitely hasn't ignored it and he's putting a lot of time and effort into that so in, in your opinion if you're a TikTok influencer right now and you're seeing you know vertical video on youtube or even thriller thriller for that matter like are you are you also downloading thriller are you creating content over there or are you just completely ignoring that platform yeah i mean i mean you you need to be like just thinking about how to just thrive as a creator overall not just as like you are a tiktoker like that's the last thing you want to be and yes like there you could say that some people are, are specifically youtubers but like they like the best youtubers are just creators in general and you can put them on any random platform and they will thrive because they're just entertainers and uh and if you give them a couple of weeks to study those platforms and what does well on them uh they can figure out how to adjust what they're doing to those platforms and i mean like david dobrik is probably like the best example right now you know like going from youtube to then i mean like i think he actually has more followers on, on tiktok now mm-hmm. than he has subscribers on youtube and then like he's then went to twitch now and it's like i i mean like he he's he's just continuing to like i basically do like a master class of like okay how do i actually just jump between these platforms and uh i think there's always been this this like the the debate within the tech community or venture community has always been like is the power with the individual or with the platforms themselves and uh I think there's certain creators that we've now seen that can truly like uh, go to any platform and, and succeed. And as a creator, that should always be your end goal. Like, you know, you, you want to be able to go to any platform. So if TikTok does get removed tomorrow or uh, if you were a Viner, right, like in back in the day, like those people who didn't make the switch to, to YouTube or understand how to make the switch to YouTube, uh, I mean, who knows where they are right now? Like they yeah. might just be like not even creators anymore. Yeah, I, I, I would imagine if we looked, there's probably a lot of examples of Viners that didn't transition their audience that no longer are in the community or are struggling to make it on another platform because they completely lost that audience. I, I'm curious over the next few years to see if there is a social platform that pops up that actually gives creators uh, the ability to have that data and a direct connection. I, I would say that 
most of them have like an indirect connection with their audience. They don't have a direct connection. They don't have direct, you know, communications or can't have direct communications with an individual. Uh, and so we've seen a few pop up. I know, you know, you know all about community and, and there's probably a few others that I don't know about, but that's like one thing that, that hopefully comes into the market is something that gives the creators all the leverage or gives them their audience. Uh, I just think it's inevitable, at least hopefully from my side, because I sit on the creator side of the fence. Uh, so I'm just like patiently waiting some kind of platform that gives someone like Mr. Beast or David Dobrik just all the, the data that some of these don't. Yeah, if you aren't, like just like if there's people watching or listening to this that aren't creators right now, like if you are a YouTuber or on TikTok, like what actual data do you get from these platforms? Like obviously you know the number of followers and the usernames, but like what demographic or overall data do they give you on, on your audience? It's uh, it's gotten a lot better over the, the last few years. Now, how accurate it is, I have no idea. I, I think if you would look at a like a kid's channel, you would see that the demographic of that audience is very heavy in the 35 to 50 age range because a lot of those kids are on their parents' account. So I've always uh, I've always just kind of looked at it like, yeah, this isn't very accurate, but it kind of gives us a little bit of a, an understanding of what the audience looks like. But there's there's no level of communication. There, I, we don't know their email addresses. We don't have their phone numbers. Uh, YouTube or Google still you know keeps that internally. Same with almost every other platform. So I think that's we haven't seen a lot of creators get upset about it, but I do think that's something that's on the horizon is creators realizing that they really don't have a ton of power when it comes to these platforms. Yeah, I mean, they are, you know, like the, the rented land on, on this these platforms. And, and so like, I, I've always been like, you should just create an email list. Like mm -hmm. I, I know like, you know, young kids probably don't use email like, like you and I do, but, um, and that's why maybe community.com makes sense with what's text, uh, texting, but like, just having any way to directly communicate and, and the people that I've seen, like the people that I'm subscribed to or whatever you want to call it on community.com, like I actually don't even use it to the level that like, I think I would, if I were a creator where like I would be texting someone every single time I post a video, like I wouldn't rely on my like YouTube subscription, like uh, notification going off or anything like that. And uh, I think that like, every single creator should be trying to think about uh, how do you directly communicate with your fans moving forward? Because again, if you switch between those platforms or maybe it's like uh, you, you got tired of, of posting YouTube videos like David, I'm assuming, like there's people for sure that are subscribed to David right now that probably just think he like fell off the face of the earth and like don't even realize where he's creating content. <laughs> um, and yeah. so like the fact that he's not able to, to post and, and tell those people like, uh, or directly email or text all of them and be like, Hey, I'm actually like streaming right now. <laughs> like you probably have no idea that I'm, I'm on Twitch, but I'm on Twitch. So, uh, like his numbers would be even higher and it wouldn't be even a conversation of like, how do you port your audience from one place to another? Because like you should be able to directly communicate and bring that audience with you. Um, but right now, it, it, that's not the case. Like, it is really hard to bring your audience to other, other platforms. And uh, it, it'd be really interesting to see, like, for, for David, uh, like, on these platforms like TikTok or, or YouTube, like, what the actual overlap is. Like, is it 100% overlap? Or is there, like, people that now just know David purely as a TikToker? Because um, my guess is that there probably is a good chunk of people that now just know him as a TikToker. Yeah, I, I actually have a pretty good story around that. So... Uh, Jimmy does pretty well. Uh, Mr. Beast does pretty well on on Facebook, uh, and uh, and Chris, who is in his entourage, he was actually telling me a story a couple months ago where he is now getting approached in public, and they're like, "Oh my God, you're that guy from Facebook." And he's like, "What? What do you mean I'm that guy from Facebook? I'm the guy." From, he's like, "We have a YouTube channel." He's like, "Oh, I don't use YouTube. I only use Facebook." And it's like someone that's oh like 30, gosh. 32 years old, like a little older. And he's like, it's incredible now that people know us from Facebook or people know us from just Snapchat because we also syndicate content on Snapchat. And so you're right. There is a level where some people don't even go on YouTube. They rely on Snapchat or Facebook for their content. And I also think another good example is uh, is Dr. Disrespect, like getting banned on Twitch uh, has to go to YouTube. I wonder how many people are sitting on Twitch like, man, what happened to Doc? When's he coming back? <laughs> He's just yeah. disappeared off the face of the earth. Yeah, I mean, if you if you just follow the Twitch channel and you're just waiting for the notification, like the notification just never comes, you're like, 
okay like who knows like like where where did they go like it, it, we you and i are, are anomalies i think and like the fact that we just follow this industry very closely but if you just stumbled on a random creator one time and you just never get another notification that they did something even if you subscribe like uh if you subscribe to a bunch of people on youtube if it's not in your recommended feed you're probably never seeing them again like unless you're actively searching them out and and so like that is just such a huge opportunity for, I mean, one entrepreneurs, but also like for creators themselves to, to figure out how to solve because like you, you need to be able to figure out how to directly communicate and let people know that you're posting content. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty confident that people don't even click on sub boxes anymore within YouTube. Yeah. Uh, they just look at their recommended feed and that's how they get suggested content. And that's what they watch. At least from my perspective, I never click on sub boxes ever. And I'm subscribed yeah. to a hundred channels. So it's just a hodgepodge of videos at this point. Uh, but you're also in, in communities example, you are kind of handicapped in how you can promote videos on a third party app like that. Because even if you text your audience and you're like, Hey guys, here's my link, go watch my video. YouTube actually doesn't recognize. And not a lot of people know this because I see this mistake a lot on Twitter and Instagram, but not a lot of people realize that. Uh, YouTube does not count CTR or click-through rate coming from a third-party link. Uh, and so you're actually de-incentivizing your video to do well and to get suggested by sharing it on your social platforms because that, that data is actually not getting counted within YouTube. And so even if they come and they click on the video and they watch the entirety of the video, you're actually not getting the CTR for that user, which is not great, right? You want every user to go into their recommended, click the video, and watch the video. Uh, and so that's like been our, our issue with community is like, is YouTube actually counting this as a third party link? Probably. Uh, and so that's why we haven't used it yet. Wow, interesting. It's funny when when I was tweeting out the link for like episode one. I remember I was like, "Can I tweet <laughs> yeah. out the link?" And you're like, "No, no, no! Like, don't, don't, don't tweet out the the direct link. Like, it's it's it won't uh, like count for that. For like for people who don't know what like click through rate actually means and like how that impacts just like YouTube. Is that just a huge part of the algorithm and what gets like decided for what goes on recommended? Is is click through rates one of the things they're they're paying attention to? Yeah, I mean that this is like uh this is right in Jimmy's wheelhouse for for an episode whenever we invite him on. But but YouTube looks at at two things. They look at click through rate and they look at either watch time or average view duration, however you want to cut that up. Uh, and it's a it's a mixture and and we think obviously YouTube doesn't tell us, but we think that average view duration is a more popular statistic. And if your video is then getting recommended or suggested to a new audience. Uh, and so I would say like, if you are a creator, you do want to focus on having high AVD, but the goal is to get someone to click on your video. You can't have a high AVD if that person never clicks on your video. So half the battle is getting them to open YouTube and actually click on that thumbnail. Uh, and we actually had, we had a meeting with Netflix today about a show we're trying to sell. And uh, one of my creators started talking about his philosophy around thumbnails. And they have a really popular show that you've probably watched called Floor is Lava. Uh, super easy concept to understand at the surface when you're looking at the thumbnail. And he was talking about why he thinks the performance of this show is so high. And he was talking about how good the thumbnail and the title is. And these people are Netflix are like, what? What are you talking about? And he's like, listen, if you're on Netflix, like you have an abundance of content. And your, your mind is looking at these for probably a half a second and you're rolling through them like, what do I wanna watch? And when you see something called floor is lava and there's a thumbnail with someone right next to lava, like you're inclined to click on that video. And he was explaining this to them. And I think the guy was like, we probably need to rethink our whole strategy for, for <laughs> thumbnails within Netflix. Um, but it's something that like people really need to be thinking about because half the battle is getting someone to actually click on the video to then consume it. Yeah. So, I mean, one, that's fascinating. Like, I mean, that's crazy. And, and it makes so much sense to like treat uh, Netflix in the same way that, that YouTube creators do where like thumbnail and click baiting and, and things like that. They're, they're a thing for a reason, right? Like you, you need to get people to watch. And, and uh, I know like uh, Mr. Beast is huge on, on thumbnails and the priority of, of thumbnails. And uh, I mean, I've seen him like help like yes theory on Twitter of like critiquing yeah. why they, why they should do certain things. But it's, if you do good thumbnails, like 
as long as the content is good, which like you just have to assume is the bar if, if you're a creator, then like half the battle is actually getting people to click on it. And so, I mean, that's, that's just fascinating. If you're, so if you're not gonna share a direct link, like are you, I, I've seen Mr. Beast go around this and some creators go around it with just like, hey, I just posted my video and they'll tweet it out and like and go watch it. Like is the other way to like just share the channel directly? Like what is like the safe way to share it? <laughs> this, the, and Jimmy will tell you this too. The safe way is to go on Twitter and be like, I literally uploaded the biggest banger ever. Yeah. Go to YouTube and watch it. You don't want to like leave a link for anything. You want them to natively open the app and click on the video. And so you'll see every time he posts a video, it's not like, hey guys, click this link, just upload it. It's like, go open YouTube and click on my video because I just gave away 40 islands, right? Yeah. Uh, that That's the strategy. Or on Instagram, you'll see, you'll see his whole crew post, right? So when a video goes up, the whole crew posts a picture and they're not saying like, hey, link in bio. They're saying like, go to YouTube and watch our video. That's the strategy. You want, you want every single viewer to count against those two statistics, CTR and ABD. And wow. uh, it's a little bit more difficult when you're a creator starting out to be like, man, if I tweet it out, I can get 5K views. But if I don't tweet it out, I only get 1,000 views. But what they need to realize is like, you wanna grow organically. You don't wanna drive a bunch of traffic to your video. They click on the link on Twitter. They watch the video for 10 seconds and then they never view your content again, right? Because then they are probably gonna get suggested your content, they're never gonna click in it in sub boxes and that negatively affects your organic growth on YouTube. And so I just think creators, and this could be a whole episode, to be honest. Oh, I, I mean, this is this the, rabbit hole. I imagine there are people sitting here like taking notes if they're like wanna be a YouTuber one day. <laughs> uh, does this apply to other platforms as well? Like, do you know if that works or like affects uh, any other platforms? Like, I don't know if you link a TikTok or something like that. I honestly don't know on TikTok how their algorithm works. Um, we should have we should have someone from TikTok on, although I don't think they're gonna let us know like how their algorithm works. I, I think it probably works the same. The more time you spend viewing a TikTok, the higher likelihood that that TikTok will then get suggested to the next person, right? And then it just snowballs from there. Um, so I, I'm guessing like that's kind of how it works, um, but not 100% certain. I, I've worked with so many YouTubers over the years that have been obsessed with the platform and the algorithm that I've just been like a sponge and I've just soaked knowledge from them. Well, we'll try it as an experiment this, this next one. I, I won't share the link. I'll, I'll just like literally tweet out new new videos live. Well, it's also <laughs> like, it's a new channel for us. Like we need to like let, <laughs> let momentum take its course. Like it may take a few months, right? Yeah. Um, but we'll get there, so. But that again, a totally separate episode. We'll, uh, we'll dig into YouTube analytics, but hopefully guys, this episode, uh, helped you guys out a little bit of content diversification. We should have uh, one of my creators on to talk a little bit about why they diversify their content across multiple channels on YouTube, how they think about Instagram, how they think about Twitch. That will be another episode. Uh, but thanks everyone for listening. My name is Reed. We have Blake, Blake. as well. So we'll be great. back. Episode three, not sure what we're going to do yet. Uh, but we'll figure it out. If you have any ideas, let us know. I mean, tweet it to us or send us messages. Like, I mean, we're, we're always looking for new topics to talk about. Yeah, probably won't do guests for a while. We still got a little bit of tech issues we need to figure out on our end, but we'll, uh, we'll get there. So thanks everyone for listening. Right, thank you.